today on The Breakdown. There's less than 100 people left in the 2021 World Series of Poker main event. Shit is getting real, people. The money is getting real. And a very accomplished player, David Coleman, he's got some chips. He's got a great resume. He plays against all the great players. But these are not all the great players. And he may not necessarily account for all the moves some of these lesser-known players may be making. And he's going to be in a spot against Dragana Lim, who I'd never heard of. And I would bet David Coleman had never heard of either. But she isn't just called Dragana because, you know, that's her name. (laughs) She's also a dragon in terms of her play. I mean, maybe, probably somewhere. They probably called her the dragon at some point, right? How could they not? Uh, Anyway, she's going to make a play on David Coleman that is going to put him in a box of hell. And can he claw his way out? Can he figure this one out? And his whole life is going to be on the line. Not just his poker life, his actual life. Anyway, a lot going on in this hand, clearly. Let's get into it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Hit me for your for your opening there. Thanks. I think there are a couple confusions name wise. The first one oh. is less egregious. Okay. The first one is you're talking about David Coleman and his accomplishments and his resume. And I think a lot of people might be confused and thinking about yeah. Dan Coleman, right? Who is much more accomplished than David Coleman. Although David Coleman does play in high roller events and is a good player. Very good point. But he's got like two million in Hendon versus Dan Coleman's like I don't know 20, 30, 25, yeah. 30 million, something like that. Well said. Yeah. So it's a different guy than that. It's he's the guy who finished second to Negrano in Negrano's first tournament victory since 2013. Yeah, and the uh, Poker back, Masters yeah, or one of those early 2021 or something like mid, that. Mid 2021, but yeah, um, yeah, he showed up in a bunch of like the Poker Go higher roller events in the last six months or so, seven months basically. All of this to say he he's a player, like he's yes. good. He knows what he's doing. He's a pro, right? Yeah. Uh, Second we note. we did we had a whole thing where we tried to figure out the woman's name spelled D R A. Did I do it wrong? Yes, it's D R A G A N A, and yeah. I I was thinking like it's got to be Dragana, yeah. but then we we're like let's listen to see what Lon yeah. says, and he said Dragana, and, and, and you were like oh it's Dragana, and <laughs> yeah. then the whole time in the opening you kept calling her Dragana. So we're going with Dragana. what Lon, we're going with what, what Lon McCarran said. Yes, we are. Which is Dragana. I'm sorry, Dragana. I really thought I was saying it right, but Grant is correct. I was saying it wrong and. We're not. We never. It's, you know. Edit it's these way things. more dragon-like. It actually sounds like dragon. Yeah. Dragona. Dragona. I even said she. It's like she's dragging a limb around. <laughs> That's <laughs> kind of funny, but I couldn't couldn't remember it for the thing. <sighs> well, once again, I've screwed it all up. You sure did, but that's okay. The openings wouldn't be the openings if they were perfect. No one wants a perfect opening. Yeah. No one listens to this podcast because they're like, oh, well, that'll be good. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a car crash. You know, you want to see it. I mean, yeah. Or or in this case, hear it. Yeah. You want to hear a car crash. Yeah. Uh, Agreed. Agreed. We've never strived for perfection. We've strived to be the jesters of the poker world. (laughs) You think? Have we? No, not really. Uh, I I, I, I feel like the person striving the hardest to be the jester of the poker world. mm. Are you thinking of a person? I mean, I am now, but who is it? I mean, Phil Locke is the only one that comes. Oh, to mind. actually, that's a great, a great answer. What's you? Who are you thinking of? Now I can't remember his name. Wow, um, is British Sam something? Uh, we've done. We've done. Sam at least, Grafton. Yeah, Sam Grafton. Uh, not bad. Not yeah. bad. 
I feel like, though, for the poker uh, social media world, like, so we're out of the players for a second yeah. so much and, like, more like folks like ourselves, the podcasters and YouTubers and stuff. Ah. Uh, who's the jester of that? Is anybody actually that funny? Is it me? <laughs> it, might be, it might be you. I may take it less seriously than almost anyone and say the weirdest things. Like, Nimi doesn't really make no. jokes. Brad Owen makes some jokes, but, not, but he's not like a jester. There's probably someone. Doug Polk gets jokey, but it's more no. like a mean-spirited joke thing that's not very jester-like. It's a little different, yeah. yeah. I mean, we may go anywhere at any time, and often it's... I mean, not, not to say you're not also you know, really taking us in some strange places. But I would say the majority of the time we go to the really weird places, it's probably initiated by me because I just say something that I don't know what it's, yeah. what it's about. So that's more, the value more, I bring. You're, you're, you're more jester than I am. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's all like, I'm saying. When, I, when, I'm, when I'm trying to entertain the people through humor, it's not usually in like a jestery type of way. Right. It's like a, this is a joke and there's a beginning, a middle, and end. <laughs> With me, it's more of a stream of consciousness kind of a thing. There's lateral thinking going on, which is not necessarily a winning formula for a lot of comedians, but, you know, I'm not a comedian, so whatever. So you can't define me. Are you man. trying to claim the mantle of jester of the poker I'm, world? I feel like I'm a nominee. Okay. I don't know if, I don't think it's fair for me to claim the mantle. I don't listen to a whole lot of other poker media or pay attention to a lot of other poker media, like podcasts and videos, except our own these days. So it's not really fair for me to say that. Phil Locke is a pretty great answer. Phil Locke is, I think, the jester he, of the poker Yeah, world. he's absolutely actually worn jester hats while playing poker. <laughs> like, that's for sure the case. I mean... I played with Phil Locke. Uh, oh, really? I didn't yeah, know the that. main event in 2018, 2019, okay. whatever it was. Yeah, on day two, he showed up at our table. Uh, but it was late in the day, and he was exhausted, and he barely spoke, which was too bad. Yeah, everybody was hoping for a little fun there, I'm sure. Yeah, he, he, he looked tired and old, honestly, well, at the time. But it was late in the day. Yeah. And, you know, that's what happens, I guess. You know, Jay Till couldn't couldn't give him the the necessary energy that day. I guess I don't know what that means. <laughs> Neither do I. That's that's the jester in me. <laughs> <laughs> it's Phil. Phil's the jester. No, he is. Yeah, man, Phil Locke. There's some such incredible video of Phil Locke, like from the the Party Poker Premier League stuff, where he'll like go all in like eleven times the pot against Antonio, and Antonio's got like you know like barely anything. And, but he doesn't fully fill for a second, and he's right. You know, Phil's just bluffing. And then Phil just starts talking and says the weirdest stuff. He's like, yeah, you know, it's like you're on the snowmobile, and you're feeling the vectors of the wind against <laughs> your cheeks. These are literally yeah. the things he's saying. I'm not making this up. Yeah. You know, and he's wearing these huge, these huge snowmobile goggles <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> and he just goes on and on and on. And, and one of the things that he's worked on, I know this because from talking to Zachary Elwood, actually, that um, Phil Locke has actually worked on when he talks like that, being balanced enough really? that you can't read him. Based on what he's saying, like wow, he actually he has a quote that Zach uh, either wrote he wrote to Zach or Zach quoted to me where he basically says something like it's really hard to talk well, mm. but I've worked on it a lot and I think I do it well and and I think he does like Antonio sat there for you know ten minutes trying to figure out what to do as Phil Locke just did a monologue you know <laughs> and just having a great time. What a delightful human! Yes, we are lucky in the poker world that he graced us with his presence. <sighs> See, that's the kind of guy. Who, when we say like, oh, everyone's boring in poker, yeah. we need guys like Phil Locke. I think. Oh, what a joy for poker TV for the early 2000s that they had the option of Phil Locke at the table. You know, like, he does such weird things. He does it in weird ways, but he's not repetitious. No. Like, uh, what was the guy who, you know. Will Kasuf? Yes. Oh, no. Will Kasuf is. And Phil Locke's not berating people the way Will Kasuf Even was. Even forgetting with the berating, though. Yeah. Just like f- 
Will Kasuf said the same thing over and over yeah. all day, and so everyone hated him within a half an hour. No, Phil Lockett is table. delightful and yes. really good-natured, which is important, too. Yes, that is there super important. There's no, like, undercurrent of, of, of malice in exactly. what Phil Lockett is doing, where there was with Kasuf. With almost everyone who talks, I think yeah. there is. Almost everyone. Yeah. Negron is good at not doing that also. Yeah. Uh, Although there's was. sometimes a little he bit was. of bitterness, even when he's being nicer. There's like when, especially when he loses, Negreanu's got a little bit of bitterness in his undertone sometimes. He used to be better about that, but that's it's all gone away. Negreanu is not what he was in terms of that stuff. Like yeah. all of it, like his his attitudes changed. I mean, I don't. I, I rewatched not to make this about Daniel Negreanu, but I cannot help. Go. Uh, Poker Go did like the five best hands of Negreanu from 2021. And I was like, all right, I'll watch it, and. Uh, and they had the one hand where he was playing heads up against Phil Hellmuth the first time they played. Mm-hmm. And the, the narrative is going like up to this hand, he had had the big chip lead, and then Phil had come all the way back. And now was, like, I think Negron had like a 19 to 1 chip lead at one point in that heads up match, and Phil now was like a 2 to 1 chip lead the other way. And they get in with kings versus kings. Mm. And Negron's got two red kings and flops three diamonds. And Negron starts begging yeah. for a diamond. And he's like, Please, yes, all my energy for a diamond. He's not joking. Right. That's the thing. Oh, please, I gotta have this. I need it. I need it. I gotta have it. And it's like a desperate man who like who like has bet his entire all like, the rent on on this. It's, Which is it's, not the case. He's very wealthy. It's it was really weird. And and stood out to me because I've never seen him do stuff like mm. that before. And I just like I I've I felt like embarrassed for him. Honestly, like it was like, what is going on? And then the fact that Poker Go put this on there was interesting. He does hit a diamond on the river. Um, and then he's chill. And then he's like, aha. And they sort of laughing about it. He's not as intense. But he was weirdly intense about this in a 50K heads up match yeah. with Phil Helmuth. Like, what is it's, going on? It is on? odd. Yeah. I mean, it's because it's he feels his reputation slipping away and he needs to win these things. But by saying that stuff, it yeah. hurts his reputation amongst the people who care about that right. stuff anyway, I think. Okay, so who else is... Is good natured and talks at the table. I mean, Antonio, of course, oh, yeah. is the is the bookend yeah. to that, right? Yeah, with he's Phil. he's pretty good. He's great. Um, Elio Lazra actually comes to mind as like he's never yeah. he's never mean or or there's never any malice in what he says, and he talks quite a bit. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's as fun or as jestery as yeah. as the other two guys, but sure. Um, like who else is also as that fun element is the thing that's like the extra piece like being good natured sure there's a lot of guys who are that a lot of pros are good at that you know live pros Justin Schwartz <laughs> <laughs> there just aren't very many gestury guys I mean yeah. um, Luke Schwartz could have been that but instead he's he, too went, mean. he he's turned mean. into the joker not the gesture he's, really, right? he's yeah, no. really mean no he's super mean he's entertaining yeah for us to watch Tony but, G same way yeah exactly like, Tony G is obviously too mean to way be too much malice right yeah, yeah like those are guys who drive people away from poker forever. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and Phil Locke doesn't do that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, not at all gestury, but a very friendly, good-natured person at the table is Phil Galfond. He's always super oh, nice. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but like getting the person who's really funny and weird and interesting, and there's just very few of those people. Yeah, who are also capable of playing high-level poker. Yes, right? that's right. And Which, are willing to, and, and maybe they're like, some of them are like this in real life, although probably not too many. Um, but some of them, but they're not also going to be necessarily willing to do it at the table while they're playing, right. which is a, another level of that stuff. Yeah. That's what makes it so impressive, really, that Phil and Antonio can do it to the degree. I mean, Antonio doesn't really talk in a hand. Right. Unless someone's already all in, he's trying to figure out what to yeah. do. But Phil will talk throughout the hand no matter what and seemingly give away everything but give away nothing. Yeah. It's really cool. 
One, one other person goes to mind before we get to it, which okay. this is a bit obscure sound, uh, not obscure, but like it's probably not somebody you would have thought of, but somebody who always seemed like he was just having a good time. And even when he took a horrendous beat, was just like, ah, that's just poker and it's fucking fun was uh, Zygmunt. Oh, always yeah. kind of had that vibe of just like, yeah, I'm just kind of having fun and playing mm-hmm. high level poker. And, you know, it's a joy. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say Tom Dewan used to be like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe he still is, but certainly used to be like that too, where it's like. You know, who knows what's going to happen today? Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's all... Right. Whatever. It's easier when you're really wealthy to... Yeah. Have the swings not hurt as much. Although, they still hurt people. Of I know course. They do, but... And there's always pride involved when of you're course. at that level of, of competition. If you're not just one of the whales, if you're really, like, an accomplished pro, there's definitely... You, you want to be the best at the table, right? Yes. Of course you, you do. You don't want to make a play that's just clearly... Maybe not incorrect, but you don't want, but like, but actually is incorrect. Like, yeah. so you don't want to whale the bluff. You don't want anyone to bluff you. I right. hate being bluffed, you know, which is why I call a lot. Because <laughs> uh, it's like, ugh, it burns me to be bluffed. And so I, you know, that's not the only reason why I call, of course. But I think that may play into it slightly where it's like, well, if it's close, I would rather call and be wrong than, than fold and be wrong. Yeah. Like if I have to pick. And not just from a math point of view. Of course, that's already been factored in, you know, like the odds. Of, yeah. You know, just from a, like an emotional point of view. I'd yeah. much rather call and be wrong. I hear you. Yeah. Anyway, you, you get the information immediately too, which is yes, nice. Yes. Although, if you don't know, then it's fine too. Like, like you know, they just throw their hand away, and I always say, like, I'm going to believe you had it. You know, like, and I do. I tell myself that they weren't bluffing me. Yeah. But sometimes they will show, and it does bother me. Yeah. You know? And so, like, I've been better at that than I used to be, but still, like, it does bug me a little bit. So, like, that's why I'm, I call a little bit more. So it's like, go ahead. I thought you Bluff called a little a bit more because of your limit hold'em background. Well, it all plays into it. I'm saying, yeah. but beyond that, I call a little bit more too. I probably call it even a little bit extra just with the like, well, I don't want to be bluffed. <laughs> <laughs> well, there will be a bluff in this hand. Yes, there There's will. A spoiler. And um, we have a celebrity suggester. What? Tyler Durden. Holy moly. They made a whole movie about this which guy. Got, which one is it? Is it the Ed Norton one or the, uh, or the Brad Pitt one? Because well, they are both actually Tyler, Tyler Durden. No, they're not. Well, but we, they are, right? We, we never hear the name of Edward Norton's character. Oh, no, I understand that. But he still is Tyler Durden. Wow, spoilers. Jesus. You just... You it's, only, it's only been 23 years <laughs> since that movie came out. I know who's going to be mad. Wolf is going to be so mad that we're talking about the ending of this movie because he was upset about me spoiling Game of Thrones, season three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie's from 1998. So yeah. I think we, yeah, Tyler Durden, Brad Pitt's character in Fight Club, who was a figment of Edward Norton's yes. imagination. Yes, For those was. of you who don't know, sorry. And, but, and, and then was actually using Edward Norton's body. Yeah. Yeah, was he was he a figment of his imagination or was he a um, a personality like a separate personality? Ah, uh, like a dissociative personality yeah, disorder. I think that's what it really was, right? Yeah, but still, yeah, all the same. Right. No, you, you, of course you're right. It'd be Brad Pitt would be the actor who yeah. played Tyler Durden, not not Edward Norton. Yeah, yeah. That He's movie. Just, the movie is still cool. That movie is fabulous. Yeah, um, and I think probably holds up in every way. Is my guess. Haven't seen it in probably five years, but it always held up perfectly. Yeah. And I expect it will continue to. David Fincher, man, at his height. It's, I mean, I, I, I think it's one of the best movies ever. Yeah, it's, it's top 10 movie for me, for sure. It's really good. So thanks, Tyler Durden, for providing us with that movie. Yeah, so this is Tyler Durden 4, right? Yes, because, you know, they had to kill the first three. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers, man. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah, so Tyler Durden 4 suggested this on Discord. Yeah. Um, that's also where we will have discussion about this hand, and Wesley Cannon, one of our solvers, will post his solver work there for this hand. We're going to take a look at that solver work after we do our analysis so it doesn't pollute our analysis and come back at the end of the podcast 
see what it had to say. Um, so if you want to see a full write-up of the solver work, check out the Discord. There's a link in the description. We also have general poker talk, movies, which you know we just talked about. We have a movie section. We have a sports section. You can post your hands for people to review and tell you what you did wrong or right. Stuff like that. It's fun. It's mm. a good place. We'll see you there. Right on. All right, it's day six of the main event. What Woo. an exciting time, especially for Dragon Alim, because you looked up her hand, and she does oh, yeah. not have much as far as results are concerned. Dragon, uh, here we go. Coming into this event... Now, she might be an online crusher or something. I think she kind of has to be... The, way, the a, way she plays this hand is not that of a scared amateur. Right, exactly. So, I mean, anything's possible, but here were the four results she had coming into this. For, in two, 2013, she cashed in a $100 event... In 2014, she cashed in a $135 event. In 2015, you didn't she say cashed... how much for though. I will get to those. In 2015, she cashed in a $100 event. Uh, the combined total of that is less than $4,000. Okay. Uh, in March 2021, she finished third in a 10K at the win for $100,000. Okay. Which is the only notable cash on her hand in because those are the four caches on her hand right. in. So she almost has to be. And like some kind of online something, right? Yeah, she, and she somehow got the 10K to enter in a win 10K, which is like, that's a tough field. Yeah. That's, that's going to be a tough field. It's considered a high roller, yeah, event. So maybe she satellited in, but again, based on the way she plays this hand, it feels like she's got moves that amateurs don't have. Right. So maybe she just plays a ton online and does well there. Yeah. Um, that's totally possible. And, it, and those $100 things all happened years ago. So, you know, yeah. it's possible since then she's kind of bumped it up online and yeah. decided to, you know, step back into the live scene with a bigger bankroll. And that's what she's now doing. Well, whatever it is, uh, congratulations. You know, they're all in the money at this point. They're all doing very well. And they all have a real shot to make the final table. Yep. It's pretty exciting. So Dragona is going to open the action in this hand under the gun. We're at 50K, 100K. She's doing quite well. 96 bigs, 9.6 million. Uh, she's got two black nines, going to open to 250 under the gun. So here's, uh, here's what sucks about playing against pros in the main event. David Coleman is plus two, and he's got king jack of clubs, and he's going to three bet it because, yeah. because it, that just works because it's the main event, and everybody's scared. And yes. David Coleman is one of the guys who's going to take advantage of that. Right. He is less scared. The money means less to him. He can. He also trusts himself on for all the decisions. Thinks he's going to make better decisions than everyone else. Probably justifiably, yeah. he thinks that, um, or almost everyone else, right? But it is it is pretty strong. It's a strong move. I, mean, I don't know if it's a good play. Maybe she's been opening a lot because she's got all these chips, and she's just like yeah, we're just staying out. She of her probably way. has that. That if she's not opening much, she can't three bet this. Hand, it's hard right? to have nine point six million without opening a lot. Yeah, I agree. I mean, she could have just coolered someone yeah. twice. Two, two big coolers. True. That, that's all it takes. But based on how she plays this hand, I'm going to guess she's pretty aggressive. I agree. And so he's probably like, I'm looking for opportunities to three-bet her. And it's interesting to do it against her under-the-gun range Yeah, when he's got King Jack of Clubs. But here we are. I mean, so this is going to sound a little bit unfair to David Coleman, but this is kind of giving me flashbacks to, to different World Series events I've played where like I'm in Dragona's seat and there's a guy who looks kind of like david coleman who's like yeah. clearly a pro who's clearly like i'm just gonna outplay all these people and what are you gonna do i'm gonna three bet from any position when you open from any position and if you don't really have it it's gonna be too scary for you and i don't care right i'm like I've, i feel that like because i remember that happening to me constantly in all of these world series events whenever a david coleman type is at my table i'm like this is gonna happen a lot you right. know and it's just like yeah it works in these events it, it really works it does and like I'm sure you've had this experience. I certainly have. I'm thinking of day three of the main event, that same main event I was just talking about, where, um, where I opened and got three of it by Jesse Sylvia, and the next hand I opened again from under the gun. Um, 
So maybe maybe it was under the gun and then plus one. Maybe it was that. But like the second time, I opened it immediately after. And I got three bet again by Jesse. No, no, I didn't. He was thinking. He thought for like four minutes and finally folded before. But he was like, he was like two to my left. And yeah. it was like three betting or folding for sure. He like pulled out all these chips. And I was like, I guess I'm going with two nines here. Like, I right. guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to shove 45 blinds against fucking Jesse Sylvia plus one. Here I am because I can't let him keep doing this to mm. me. And like, I hope this works out. I don't know what's going to happen, you know? And this is like the place you end up and it gets weird. Yeah. It gets weird. But that's what happens when the, as ranges widen. Yeah. It's, it's pretty effective. I agree. Yep. And it's like, it's not like Coleman is swimming in it. He's got 4.265 million, 42 bigs, and he's doing this anyway. I mean, he's putting himself in such weird stack to pot spots if he thinks he isn't getting a huge amount of folds right away. And he's just willing to do it, though. He thinks it's powerful, right? Yeah. I mean, how are you supposed to... So, so he makes it 750K, so he just 3Xs it. Yeah. Which is, at this point in the tournament, that's a, that's a reasonable size. Yeah, for sure. Um, you wouldn't think you'd, have, you'd get that many folds against the big stack who's opening under the gun, unless she's opening constantly... Uh, from even in from yeah, under I think the gun. He's, I think he must be willing to play post flop at this stack depth and, and feel like he has an advantage there. I mean, he's going to have three and a half million. The pot is going to have like 1.6 million. He's going to have like two point something to one stack yeah. to pot. Wow. I mean, if you flop top pair, you just have to go with it on the like, you just have to. Well, you I think can't ever fold. it also might be a, a function of the price structure, right? Like, we're mm-hmm. at, from especially from a David Coleman types perspective at a very flat section of the. The payout right. structure, he's like, it's time to pump up the variance, and this is a player that I'm supposed to attack. Right. And also, if he can slow her down a little bit, and she's like, I can't open as much because he's going to Then he gets to open me. a lot. Yeah, like, it really changes his Because she's two to his right, so she's probably taking a lot of his open opportunities. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Still, to attack the under-the-gun range is surprising, I would say, with yeah. his hand. Like, it feels like we could just pick other hands to do it with or pick other spots to three-bet her. Yeah. But here we are. I mean, this is very impactful, though. Like, yeah, you three better once she's under the gun. She's going to really have to have it to put in a four bet. That is true. Like, queen's plus, basically. Even queen, she's not going to love. No, she might not. She might just call. Yeah. Because does she really want to, like, suddenly he'll have the, all these chips, and she'll be almost, she'll be down to five point something million. Yeah. It's not bad, but it's not great. Yeah, it all comes down to, like, how much have they been battling already? Right. It's hard. To, we, we, of course, don't. And, know. of course, he has some... Relevant blocker value with King Jack of Clubs. Of he, he blocks does. Ace King. He blocks Kings. He blocks Jacks. That's yep. all. That's all nice. That's all really good. Yeah. Yep. Um, and if she has, what's the weakest part of her range here? It's hard to know. I guess we we can't really know what. Her I mean, range she is, might but. be opening seven eight suited. Who knows? Yeah, that's right. She has nine point six million. Like yep. often, if you're sit, if you're in a multi table tournament and somebody new comes and sits down with one hundred and forty bigs at a stage when that's a lot of chips, you're like, this is probably an aggressive player, right? Usually, it's that. Yeah. Or they again once in a while there's just a few coolers in a row right. and. You got all the chips. But I've you definitely find out pretty quickly. I've definitely fallen victim to that on the first hand yeah. of it. Like it, it wasn't a big deal because it was just like a four hundred dollar aria tournament. But I was doing pretty well. It was like four tables left, and I had eighty five bigs, which was huge in that tournament. But mm. this dude, who's maybe three of one of three or four people who had me covered, came and sat directly to my right and opened the first hand with his one hundred and thirty bigs, and. You know, I flopped top two, and we ended up all... Like, I called it all in on the river after he check-raised the flop in a spot where, like, I'm never beating any value, but I'm like, this guy is just... He's probably the type of guy who's got bluffs, right? Because he's got so many chips. And he just had the nuts. He so. just flopped the straight or something? Um, yeah. I assume he had, like, ace-queen or... He had queen-ten suited ah. on a king-jack-nine board. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well. <laughs> but, you know, you know, like, against a lot of what players... You you fi- against a lot of players that you have more data on, I, I can fold there, but, mm. like... The stack that just comes yeah. and sits down with all the chips. I'm like, I think I have to call this person, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, so here we are. Yeah. As as Dragona. Yeah. 
and we're we, not folding. We can't fold. It's, yeah, we folds can back, folds it, back to Dragon. By the way, yeah, of course. We can't really put in a, another bet here unless this guy has been just losing his mind against us, right? I mean, even the, then, we might not want it. It's only equity denial, and it's yes. it's a very expensive equity denial because a four bet's going to be effectively all in. Like we're not folding yeah. once we four bet. Unless I guess we can make it like one point four million and then fold, but that's ridiculous. We don't have any fold equity then. No, no, we wouldn't do it for that reason. No, we'd have we'd have to put it in enough to get the fold equity. So it'd be like two point two million, and then we just have to call it off if he shoves. We right? might fold out tens, we might fold out jacks, but that's the only good things that come out of this. I right? guess. Do we have to call it off? Let's say we make it two point two million and he shoves. Do we have to call it off for two million he, he more? He can have ace king. We have to call it off. Yeah, if he can have all sixteen combos can, of ace king, we, then we can. just have to call. He's going with ace queen. Yeah. He's not going to fold it. Ace king. He's not going to fold it. And he's not gonna call right and so we have to call yeah so so all that to say a call makes a lot of sense here it does for her but it's gonna be tough to navigate if we don't flop a set and i'll just say this she ain't gonna flop a set ain't gonna flop no set no but you might oh on nitrogen sports oh yes indeed it's possible if you give yourself enough chances you will eventually software allows for it because it's you know random shuffling software like all the software Mm. nitrogen sports they have software it shuffles randomly. Yeah. Like any kind of random, too. Like, not just cards. <laughs> There's a lot of weird stuff goes in that deck. Great. This is really good. Um, <laughs> anyway, every month, last Sunday of each month, we have the greatest iterated value in poker, the Poker Guys Monthly Nitrogen Sports Tournament, where there is an automatic overlay, as Jonathan likes to say. Mm, uh, automatic at least f- overlay. Yes, thank you, Robot Jester. Uh, <laughs> at least 40% of the prize pool each month is contributed by Nitrogen, that means it's pretty hard to be minus EV in this tournament, even if you're terrible. Charles Barkley level terrible. Nice. Yeah. Like so that. get in there. Use the link in the description, or you won't even get to play the tournament or get other cool benefits by using the link. They are also have sports betting, casino games, and if you bing something or you just want to take your Bitcoin out, it's fast, 90 minutes or less. They don't mess around with your money. They just give it to you. I like that. I think you did a bad job with the ad this time. Because I just I did a pretty deadpan like no 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 that was fine. Um, you didn't ask the automatic overlay robot if it was from the future or not, and that's clearly what everyone wants to know. Okay, automatic overlay <laughs> robot. Yes. What? Uh, and I called you robot jester, by the way. Not. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I'm calling it robot jester. Yes. I guess we have to have a conversation <laughs> now because you're very needy. So, robot jester, yes. are you from the future? I do not know. Very <laughs> helpful. Thank you. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. I'm glad we, I'm glad we did that. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> you could have gotten something like the future is a concept outside of... Oh, that would have uh, been good of, too. Yeah. You know, my understanding. All right. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Let's get to the turn, right? Pot, the flop. <laughs> okay. the flop. Oh, the, the flop. So Lim calls with her, her two right. nines. The pot is 1.75 million. Lim under the gun has two black nines. Coleman has king jack of clubs plus two, the three better. Flop is ten of spades, deuce of spades, three of hearts. Yep. You can kind of guess how this is going to go, huh? Yeah. Lim, I mean, Lim checks. Yep. Coleman's going to bet small, right? Sure. 575. There's no reason to bet any more than that. I mean, the reason is you can fold out ace-queen if you bet more than that. You might not be able to. I guess. If you bet more. But forgetting about ace-queen, everything else is probably going to play. Yeah. Pretty straight. Pretty binary. Right. So 575. Lim, of course, calls. Has to. What the hell else can you do? It seems like you have to call. No analysis needed here. Nope. The pot is now 2.9 million. Okay. The turn is the 10 of diamonds, so it Col- pairs the top card. Coleman now has a pot size bet left. Yep. Already. Yep. That's like he bets small on the flop. He's got a pot size bet left. That's like what 
That's the kind of jeopardy you put yourself in when you're three betting here pre, even when you start the hand with 40, almost 43 blinds. Yep. So here we are. We're already at pot size bet. Wow. So we've got 10 of spades, deuce of spades, three of hearts, 10 of diamonds. Okay. Coleman's range is mostly undefined. At this point, from Coleman's perspective, what does it look like Lim has? What are, what are her hand types? Um, she has a lot of what, just what she has. A lot yeah. of hands like pocket nines, pocket eights, pocket sevens. Maybe even. sevens plus up yeah. to jacks or queens. Right. If she has jacks or queens, she's probably just calling. It's not impossible that she might raise those sometimes, though, just to like shut him out. On the flop? Yeah, and be like, we're getting it in anyway if he's got me beat. And so I well, want to basically But if he's card. bluffy at all, you're losing that opportunity. Yeah, but you might decide to just like take the pot. Yeah. Because it's the pot's significant yeah. already. Um, I, could see, I could see it going either way. Some people will shove there. And it's, it's okay to do that at least some to, just for balance, yeah. if nothing else. Um, so there's that. I think she also can have... Well, the thing is, it's hard for her to have ace-king... Yep. No, not really any ace king. It's at least possible because he threw at the under the gun range that she might sometimes it call was with forty two blinds and he's a super pro. Just yeah. like just I mean, I agree with you. Yeah, but it's at least possible. Yeah, um, ace queen feels like it can be here. Yes. Um, I don't think even ace jack is here though. No, I, I think don't. Ace jack suited unless it, I guess it could have back doors, but I mean, there's two spades on the flop. Here. Well, sure. Uh, any any kind of spade dry and fold. Well, right? would you? But it might be ra- It's probably just raising all in, though, right? Yeah. Do we think the spade draws are mostly check raising the flop? Yeah, and this is why you have to move in with some of your over pairs, right? Yeah. Because um, otherwise, what are you moving in with besides pocket tens? So that's ace ten suited. We could sort of the same thing. If the spade draws are check raising the flop, that's not great for Coleman as far as continuing on the turn. Right, because it's all made hands. Yeah. And ace queen. The thing is, yeah, she's got. By the way, she's got ace ten suited. She has jack suited ten, ten. Jack ten suited. Suited tens. Probably 9-10 suited. Maybe king-10 suited. Maybe queen-10 suited. It's unclear. Yeah. She might throw those away um, pre-flop. She might throw away all of them, but 8-10 suited. She may have them all. I just don't know. Yeah. Right? But some suited ten, some 10s, pocket 9s, 7s, 8s, 9s, jacks, queens, uh, ace-queen. Ace that feels like... And spades, of course. Yeah. Although spades, like we said, are, is mostly shoving. So I guess Coleman should ask himself, like, can I fold out the pocket pairs? Right. The problem with that is you're not telling a great story. You three-bet the under-the-gun player from plus two. You don't have that many tens in your range. So what are you representing? You're representing aces and kings and queens. And you're just saying, I don't care that you could have a ten? On the turn. Yes. Um, We're on the turn now. Well, I don't see how you could bet any of those hands. Yeah, of course. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. The only reason to do it is to charge the spades, but you would assume the spades would have already shoved on you. Yeah. So it doesn't seem reasonable. Yeah. It, no, it's not a good story at all. I agree with you. So you have to shut it down because the yeah. pocket pairs, if they think it through, should call you. And, of course, the 10s aren't going anywhere. Yeah, he has to have ace-10 suited, basically. Yeah. Which maybe he can have since he has king-jack Seems suited. likely that he can. Maybe he can have king-10 suited also, but that's still not very many combos with two 10s on board. And you'd right? have to give Dragon a credit for knowing that. Like, you wouldn't really be in Dragon's position thinking that your opponent has any 10s, really. I would not be worried about the 10 at all. In fact, I would be sitting there like, if he shoves, it's going to be really hard to fold. Yeah. I may, I may make a super thin fold here, but it's going to be really hard. Right. Because, like, how could you have aces and, and, when, and I mean, shove when the 10 Because now you're, you're targeting jacks and queens exactly. Yeah. And, like, you would assume with queens I'm sometimes putting in the four bet anyway. Now you're just targeting mostly jacks. I mean, what? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. You may not, get, you may not even get called by jacks. So all of this to say that Coleman kind of has to shut it down here. I think he does. Dragon, uh, of course, checks, which what else could you do? Right. Um, and he does. He checks back. Like, what else can you... You can't... You can't it's such a bad card. Yeah, you can't rep this. Any, any non-10, you can probably bet. Non-10. Spades are a little scary, but again, you could actually rep spades if you want because Dragon is less likely to have them. Yeah, I think the only bad spade is like the ace of spades. Yeah. And even that, you could still bet if you want because she doesn't have... Her, the only aces she has is like 
Ace ten. Yeah. Uh, that seems like that's it. Maybe right? ace queen. Oh, she could have ace queen. You're right. Yeah. Um, but still, that's pretty good too. So you're right. You can bet on almost any card here. A deuce or a three pairing, you could totally bet. Oh, for sure. Because you would continue with aces. But the 10 is horrible to bluff on, and he knows he can't. Right. And he, and he doesn't. And good for him. Yeah. Maybe he's not betting certain other cards, maybe like a nine or a jack, because they are, coordinate with, with a 10 and also with her pocket pairs. Yeah. A nine is. Uh, a nine would be a slightly weird one for him to bet. You're right. Because 10 9 gets there, pocket nines get there. Jack, at least he could rep. He has Jacks himself. Yeah. Or still has the over. But she pair. could also absolutely have Jacks. Of course she could. Yeah, or, but, Jack, or Jack 10. Yes, that's right. That's true. That's a good point. Um, but a 10 is the worst card. Yeah. I certainly agree with you. It is. And he recognizes it and checks back. Yep. He's a pro. He's a pro. Still 2.9 million in the pot. That's the exact stack that Coleman has. Okay. The river's the king of diamonds. Yes. Okay. I think this is a really interesting thing that happens, so I'm just going to say what happens. Great. Um, up until the last decision. I'm not going to say what the last decision is. Cool. And then I'm going to talk about it. So Lim checks. Coleman, who's made top pair, a weak top pair in this scenario, bets $1.15 million. Lim quickly moves in, like within seconds, mm. for $2.9 million total. Yeah. And some things that are notable to me here are Coleman not moving in, one, He's really going yes. for thin value. And Lim, it feels like with the speed with which he moved in that it was pre-planned, but it would be totally reasonable to expect that if Coleman were to bet that he would shove, which means that her yes. plan was not necessarily going to be able to be enacted because right. she checked giving him the option to shove so she wouldn't have been able to bluff then. Right. So yeah, exactly. that's all very interesting to me. Yep. What do you make of all that? Um, I think the first thing is what you're talking about. The fact that he chooses not to go all in is telling in a lot of ways, that he rarely has a super strong hand. Like, he rarely has kings here. Pocket kings, I mean. Because you would think, if he's got kings, he might be like, I should target trip 10. I really hope you have a 10. But the thing is, you would expect Lim to bet a 10 on the river. You, you want would. to check, check on the you would. turn. You would. That is true. Um, and that, it makes her story a little bit suspicious. Which we'll get to. Yeah. yeah. But, but, start, but before we get to that, still, you would think... He might be like, I would expect her to check a 10, but it's going to be hard to get value. If, let's say his king's full. Yeah. It's going to be hard to get value anyway. She doesn't have any kings, really, in her range. Right. If she doesn't have any 10s or any kings, she's probably not calling almost any bet. Right. Anyway, maybe if she has queens or jacks, she can call sometimes, but why don't I go for the few times when she's slow playing trip 10s? Yeah, know, I guess that's fair. But, but I mean, like, it's not great. It it's is not the main event, idea. and there should be some yeah. price sensitivity involved. Yeah. It's possible that 1.15 is really the right bet with the nutted hands, too. Yeah, you could be right, because this way we can try and squeeze some value out and, and potentially induce. Yeah. Now, you wouldn't think you could really induce. I wouldn't expect to induce. With, with this, when, you're, when you leave yourself so little back. Right. Um, turns out he induced. He did. He I don't know if he meant to, but he induced. Um, but so the sizing is really interesting, though. And maybe you're right. Maybe he's just always going to bet 1.15 in this spot, no matter what. So let's talk about his bet categorically. Do you Great. think he should have considered checking back? Like, is this too thin? It's oh, pretty with, thin. with the hand that he has. Yeah. Boy, is it thin. Yeah. What's he targeting? Nines, I mean, nines and jacks, mostly. He has a jack in his hand, so there's only three combos of it. Yeah. It's not ideal. I guess queens a little bit, but you'd expect sometimes that's a four-bet preflop. Yeah. Sometimes it's a four-bet preflop. Sometimes she's just going to check-raise the flop, yeah. too. Uh, although not always, by any means, but sometimes. So we can eliminate some of the queens. We can eliminate some of the pocket jacks. Tough to target those things. Yep. Ace-queen ain't calling anyway. Is pocket nines really calling? I mean, he must think that there's a chance. We can see that she clearly doesn't think it's good enough to call, right? right. She's like, either I'm way ahead or way behind. I mean, it's, it's over. You're either ahead or behind. Yeah. Because um, we're at the river. But 
Like she thinks she's losing enough of the time that it's better to shove than to call. Yeah. Right. Even though she's giving him a great price. So if he's if he's targeting nines, he's doing it wrong against this opponent, it seems. It does seem that way, but I think he must be, at least in part. I don't know what else it could really be, yeah. right? He can't be targeting a king. No. If somehow she had a king, it's better. He, wouldn't, he wouldn't want it to call, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it's. I think it might be a mistake to bet here. I think he's probably just supposed to check back and like take the win. Yeah, but this is what the elite players do, right? They yes. they teeter on the edge of thin value, and over time, that's going to work out for them because they're good enough to figure it out. But there are spots like this where you can get yourself in real trouble, which is clearly what's about to happen. But you made a good point earlier, which is, wouldn't you just bet trip tens on the river after it goes check check on the turn? The person with trip tens or better always bets. Yeah, like. And when I say always, obviously not always, always, but like nearly always they bet, right? Right. So like we do usually have the best hand here, like kind of almost always. That's true. And again, that almost pokes holes in the whole like, well, if we have pocket kings, we should go for it. And it goes to the point of we should bet 1.15 with pocket kings also because like she just doesn't have very much strength. There are worlds where she has king, queen of spades and didn't raise the flop. Very few. Yeah, you'd expect her to raise the flop. It'd be so weird to do that and put herself in a spot where she has to fold the turn. Yeah. Uh, when she can check raise all and get ace king to fold or ace yeah. queen to fold, it could be like such an and incredible have plenty of equity against almost everything. Not yeah. like ace jack of spades if that's there, but it's like, you know. yeah, it's, it's an incredible victory yeah. to um to check raise there and get some of those hands that are definitely going to fold twofold. Yeah, right because they're all beating her. Yeah. Okay, so he bets it's a little thin, maybe yeah. maybe a little too thin. It feels like it's a little too thin, but like to your point. Man, the, the really good players do go for this, and they this is they figured out that this is a profitable play. It's probably barely a profitable play, though. Yep. And you kind of need your opponent not to do what she just did. Well, what do you think about what she just did? Yeah. And I'm going to start with the speed with which she did it. Good. Because my initial hit is it feels premeditated, which makes me think it's bluffy because she did it so fast. Like I think it's four seconds or something before she moves in. But the fact that he has a pot size bet back makes me feel like it's not premeditated because you can't really expect this size. Yeah. So what do you make of it? I mean, what I think actually happened is she was probably she was hoping he was going to go check, check. She sees him reaching for chips before she realizes how small the bet really is. She's probably like, oh, I'm going to have to fold. Yeah. He hit his king. Fair enough. And then he bets 1.5 million or 1.15, excuse me, million into 2.9. And he and she immediately thinks I, I've certainly done this. Oh, he's got like a, just a king. And, it's, and he doesn't feel great about his hand, and I can win this hand. And then she didn't do the thing that you have to do in live poker. Which is, what is my story? What is my story? And then wait. Yeah. You also have to wait a little bit, because you usually would wait if you were going to do this for value, right? Very few players are going to shove quickly here for value. Yep. Of course, some will. And fair enough if she always shoves quickly. But almost all players... When they've got strong value here, think about it. They make how many times you've seen Federer Holtz or someone take a time extension when they've got the nuts just to make it look like they're thinking, and then they raise right. So like you just don't almost ever see someone do this quickly as value. Now to be fair, I certainly have done this against good players as value quickly because of that. Yeah, I don't know if it's ever actually worked, but I've tried. But very rarely you're going to see that, and Mm -hmm. so that that I don't love that. I don't love that, and I also don't love that she didn't give herself more of a chance to think. I think so. There's like a thing mm-hmm. that people who know a little bit about poker love to say, which is like you're you playing your opponent's cards more than you're playing your right. cards, right? Yeah. And she's definitely doing that, right? She's yeah. pl- she's totally just playing his hand and trying to act in a way that will get the result from the hand that she expects him to have to do the thing that she wants. Mm-hmm. But he's an elite player. You can't just play his hand. You also have to tell the story about your hand correctly and well. 
for him to actually do the thing that you want. The thing is, she may not know he's an elite player because he's David Coleman, not yeah, Daniel Coleman. That's true. And if that's the case, he just looks like another nerdy kid right. who's at this table, and there's probably a lot of those. And this kind of play, she may have been doing the whole time over the last six days. Yeah. It's probably worked really well because let's look at the spot he's actually in. Right. Holy moly, how can he call? Yeah. I don't know. And how can he call with Ace King is a fair question, it's the same, too. It's the same question. And pocket aces. If he doesn't have a full house, it's really hard to call here. Yeah. So even though the story is not great, and it is not, it is bad. It's bad. Because she didn't lead, and then she does it quickly. It doesn't really follow. Right. Right. Um, still, wow. And the only way the story works is basically she, she picks up trip, trip tens on the turn. Mm-hmm. She's going to bet the river, and then the king comes, and she thinks to herself, this is a card he can bluff. Yeah. And so I'm going to check and let him bluff. And that's at least somewhat reasonable. I've done that. Yeah. Um, and then you check race. Yeah. And you're like, let's see if he has anything. Maybe right. I'll get lucky and he actually has ace king races. Um, and when he doesn't, he folds and who cares? It's all the same. If he has pocket kings, that sucks for me, but so be it. Um, that's the only part. But that story is like, eh, it's not, not super believable because she could also say to herself, if I bet 1.6 million here on the river with my trip tense, he has to call me with a king. If he has got ace-king, he's going to call. You would right? think so. Right. Yeah. And if, uh, if I check, he may check back a king because he may be worried about getting value. Right. We thought it was very thin for him to bet. So it's really about inducing the bluff is what the story is. Yeah. Not so much the, you know, I'm going to get you to actually bet your king for value. Right. Right. So I think what ultimately happened here is that she, she was playing him too much and not caring enough about what she was saying to him. Yeah. The story is very smelly. And he smells it. Yes. He tanks for a long time, and he calls because he he's call. good. This is a really interesting call. It's a good call. Like, wow. I mean, I think, I think, it's, I think it's correct. I, it feels like in this, if you end up in this spot, you're like, oh, I can't call. Right. But then you think it through, and you're like, would she really do this with trip tens? Would she really do this? Like, I don't know if she really would. I don't really believe that she would. I mean, the other piece of the puzzle, which I think is important, is we have to, as Coleman know that she's capable of this kind of a move. Right. That, I mean, if she's not, obviously it's an easy fold. So like Jamie Kerstetter and Lon McCarron and Norman Chatter are doing the commentary, and Jamie is shocked. Yeah. Now, for all we know, they have been paying, this may be an outer table. Like, right. I don't really know. I, mean, I guess not a secondary table, I should say, because they know the cards. They know the whole cards. But still. Um, I don't know how much they've been watching her play at all. They may not watch her play. But Jamie is really, really surprised when she moves in, as opposed to there's some players where she's like, there he goes again. Yeah. You know, this is what, this is what she does. We, we don't hear that. Um, but if he knows she's capable of it and you put that into the rest of the story or lack thereof, not, not betting herself, going for this check raise in a spot where like, he's going to check back a lot probably. Yeah. Uh, like she, he'd be checking back jacks and queens, right? Uh, I don't know. It feels like, uh, it feels like an easier, slightly easier call then too. And, and, as, and as Coleman... He may say to himself, this is how I win the tournament I make a call like this sometimes. Right, right and I did mention very early on, like when he three-bet, he doesn't care about the current money jumps. Right. Like, he should take the high-variance spots because the money jumps are not what he, uh, he's factoring into his decisions. I mean, the other side, of course, is he could choose not to take the high-variance spots because he thinks I'm better than everyone else, so I can take lower. I can take a million low-variance spots It's instead. pretty tough to have uh, almost 100 bigs, yeah. and he has an opportunity. It's true. Against it's a bad true. story. It's a bad story. I mean, every time she turns over ace 10, it's just like, why did he call? And it's like, you can berate yourself if you're him for, for yeah. a while on that. And you're like, it's right there. King 10. 
Ace 10? I don't know. Um, but again, they almost always lead out on the river. Yep. They just almost always do. And when I think about the pros even who did this, I'm still thinking way back when it was Kyle... Oh, man. Karanen? No. It was not from the World Series. It was from an a, um, EPT event where... Oh. She, I'm going to get her name wrong now, too. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Anyway, she check raises the river. Kyle Julius. Yes, Kyle Julius and... Uh, Zhang? Yeah. I don't remember. I can't remember her name. Anyway, it doesn't matter. She's also a pro. She's really good. Uh-huh. Um, and she check raises the river after one check check on the turn, and the flush had come in, and he calls with like... Queens on a king just, board. Just pocket queens, right? And she's like, how can you call me there? And he's like, I just don't think... You, I think you'd just always bet the river if you yeah. had it. And she's like, you don't think I'm capable of check raising you with two pair there? And he's like... He just sort of like looks at her and doesn't say anything. <laughs> and like takes the chips. But it's like, the answer is no, I do not. I think yeah. you always are betting your value on the river. You're never check raising two pair there. That's crazy. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think that is really held as I, in my personal experience, like it's so rare for someone to, be, to for it to go check, check. And then the person who check raises the river to have it. Mm-hmm. It's just so rare. So good job by David Coleman. Still to actually put the chips in. Like, I don't know if I would have bet the river as him. And I don't know. I don't think I would have called the river as him. I probably would just like talk myself into being weak and folding. <laughs> Cause I'm like, uh, cause I don't want to be the dumb guy. Yeah, so you can see how our move, like you said, probably has been effective for the entire tournament. I would think so. I would think so. It's the main event. You get more folds than anywhere else. Exactly. People really value their tournament life. She needed to do a little more Hendon research on her table, maybe, to, to not target David Coleman. I mean, having said all that, he took a long time to call. True. It almost worked. He's just the wrong the wrong. He's target. the wrong guy. You, should, you need to have a slightly better story against him. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. It'd be interesting if she just shoves the river, for example, when that king comes. Yeah, that's a different story. But, but of course, what happened is she needed that extra data point of him betting 1.15, mm-hmm. where she's like, oh... I don't think he's got a strong, a super strong hand here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ultimately, neither of them made it that much further in the tournament. Right. right. She got like 63rd and he got 54th. 64th or something. and 58th. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, disappointing finishes for them, but still good finishes for main event I mean, run. It's a really incredible run to, to go that far in the World Series, of course. And yeah, you, like they may never go that deep again. I mean, it's yeah. hard to do. Well, let's see what the solver had to say about this hand. Okay. Oh, the solver must be so excited. Dan Coleman's back. It's Dan no, Coleman of the no, famous. It's not that. It's oh. a different Coleman. Well, maybe the different. solver would have given different outputs because I know that Wesley clicked the Dan Coleman button. <laughs> well, there is a Dan Coleman button in every solver, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So. It was David Coleman. So the solver is probably all haywire. D.A. Coleman. I mean, come on. Uh, how dare you? It's, it's like, no one's fault. It's like if they were on the same basketball team, they'd have to have so many letters on the back <laughs> of their... I Jersey. mean, probably Dan Coleman would be. But the, the N looks too close to a V. Yeah. You got to be careful. Very confusing. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, let's see what David Coleman is supposed to do and okay. what, what Dragon Alim is supposed to do. Okay. Um, on the flop, now that we're here, Coleman is supposed to bet 99.7% of, this range, of his range. Sure. Makes sense. It's a pretty orphan flop. Seems fine. And that's what he does. Uh, what Lim is supposed to call with is any pair... And uh, that's mostly a 10 or a pocket pair. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually wants her to fold ace-queen, ace-jack, and king-queen without spades. So that can inform some future decisions, perhaps. Yeah, that's as interesting. As far as the solver is concerned, at least. Um, get to the turn. The solver wants Coleman to bet. Here's the thing that confuses yeah. young, young Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy here. Why, why 
Why? I mean, you heard I mean, all of our reasons for checking back. We like the check course. back. It makes sense. We have a one-to-one stack-to-pot ratio. Why are we betting like so much of our range? Apparently, it wants, wants to only check back ace-high with no flush draw and eight-nine suited with no flush draw. I mean, it must think it can, can value. Uh, it may, or maybe when, it, when you've got the overpair, maybe it's sometimes going to get value from worse pairs. And when you've got... Because really, she doesn't have anything but pocket pairs in her range, right? So you're trying to fold out... You're trying to get called, I'm sorry, by the pairs when you've got, but the, you have when you've got the overpair. When you don't, you're trying to bluff it's those. It's stupid. The solver's stupid, and I don't <laughs> like confusing. it. It's That's wrong. Yeah. It has to be wrong. And so, I well, mean, I could see the argument maybe if we had like an 8-to-1 stack-to-pot ratio. Maybe. And still, yeah. I would probably argue for a check. Mm. But we're at 1-to-1. What are we talking about? We're going to bet fold with an overpair? Is that what we're going to do? Are we going to go all in with an overpair and only get called by better hands? Sounds great, no, solver. We, we Thanks go, for solving it. I mean, in fairness, we could go all in with an overpair and get called by a worse hand. Of course we can. I suppose, of course but we it's because it's a weird story we're telling, right? Yes, like with the ten paired, and we go all in with kings here. She may call it nines. Okay, maybe sometimes. But, but I you, feel you that mostly people fold there. Whatever the solver's all wonky donkey. It's because if we put the Dan Coleman button, it's, oh, it's it's D A V. Yeah, David Coleman. David. Damn it. Anyway, all right, let's get to the river before I freak out. Too late. <laughs> all right, it wants. Coleman to jam rather than go with his size. I'm not in love with this either. It feels like you're going to have similar fold equity, but as we see, maybe that's not the case. We don't. I mean, we don't. We're, want we fold don't equity. want fold equity. We yeah. want to get called now right, right, by worse hand, and so yeah, the river jamming feels like I that now. desperate. Maybe it looks desperate, and so that's how we get called. I don't know if the solver's thinking about what looks anyway. I don't think the solver <laughs> has a like look desperate thought. But you know, the bigger sizing looks looks a little more desperate, and the king is a card we might bluff on. But I still want to bet small, not big, personally. I mean, if we're going to bet, which I guess we have to. It seems, yeah, I mean, it's close. Checked again. It's, it, reasonable it's close. Yeah. It does not want Dragana to turn this hand into a bluff. It's a relatively random bluff. Um, yeah. It only wants her to bluff with eight, nine of spades. That's the only hand it wants her to bluff with. I mean, it's such a weird thing. There should be, that's one combo. Yeah. So crazy. And it wants her to, you know, jam all her tens also. I, I would just like to say, I don't really understand why eight, nine of spades is the hand Versus, versus like queen jack of spades, yeah. where now we block queen 10, jack 10, king queen, king jack. Eight nine of spades doesn't block nearly as much. It could be that the game tree that played out as Wesley did the solver, which we didn't get the entire game tree, uh, had queen jack is always, of spades is always a raise on the that, flop. That must be. And big, eight nine of spades must is be a big chunk not there, one. Right? Of, yeah, that, that would be a reason for that. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. Yeah. Um, it does want Coleman to call specifically with king jack of clubs because it doesn't block king 10 or jack 10 suited and fold all other king jacks, including king jack of hearts, which feels random because it's the same situation. There is a heart on the flop, but that doesn't really make it a sh- difference. It feels like it's just flipping a coin and yeah. pick the king jack of clubs. Right. Um, and as a special fun bonus, maybe Wesley will treat you guys if you go to the Discord Ooh. because he actually ran the solver a second time kind of choosing to play the hand differently from Dragana Lim's perspective to see what would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to get into that here, but check out the Discord. The link's in the description of the podcast, and maybe Wesley will, you know, grace you with that knowledge. Little child, would you like some ice cream? I'm being Wesley Cannon right now. You're would being, you like some free candy? You're being new every afternoon <laughs> on the street. Come into my van, and I'll give you some free candy. Why does it seem so natural <laughs> coming from you when you say this? What's going on? Yeah. So we're just trying to entice you guys to go to the, to the Discord yeah. server if you haven't yet. Yeah, just that's what's you know, up. Be, car- <laughs> be careful around Jonathan. <laughs> Nothing weird is happening. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make it.